Welcome to Corporate Caffeine. I'm Dacia Coffee. As a chief marketing officer, speaker, author, copywriter, and three-time entrepreneur, I've learned a thing or two about influence and impact in the business world. So I want to share with you what I've learned about how to be heard, be seen, and be successful, and introduce you to the people I've met along the way who learned how to unlock their potential. Welcome to Corporate Caffeine. Today's guest is Jim Woodward. He is a chair of a Convene Now group, which is a peer advisory group for Christian CEOs. When you listen to Jim, you will really understand how profound it can be to be surrounded by like-minded people with a wide range of experience. Not only that, though, Jim's known for his wise counsel because he himself grew a $100 million business from scratch in addition to several other business adventures and experiences. Jim has a lot to say about what it takes to be successful in the business world, but what I really love is it's about how to do it in a godly way. And that is the cool thing is because he actually shared with us a secret project that's launching soon about how to literally live out your work life in that exact manner. I am so excited to be a part of this program and you're going to love hearing what's coming your way. Let's dive in. Jim, we are so excited to welcome you to Corporate Caffeine. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Delighted to be with you. So I am so excited to really dive into how you see leadership and also how you see the workplace. I mean, you have so much wisdom that I have gleaned from you over the years. But first, we probably got to give context around why do you know a lot about work and about how work can unleash people's potential. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who you are and uh, how you got here? Because you have a lot of leadership experience in different places under your belt. Yeah. So I spent 30 years in executive roles in companies. Um, at one point within a big consulting firm called Capgemini, I built a $100 million business from scratch um, and had responsibility for marketing and sales and P&L and collections and the whole thing. So I had a broad understanding. Also, our main clients were Fortune 500 in all kinds of industries. And uh, so got a sense, a broad sense of business. Uh, I was blessed by able, being able to retire for six years after that experience. Um, and, and spent them mostly working at my church, designing adult learning experiences. Um, but I made a couple of bad investments, so I wound up um, having to find something new to do and wound up uh, helping a colleague of mine start a brand new business, full service ice machine leasing, which is nothing like management consulting and IT consulting. <laughs> I know more about ice than I ever want to know. <laughs> who knew? Yeah, who, who knew that I, I, I well, first of all, that it, uh, it's got electricity, high, high, high temperatures and low temperatures all in one box. Um, yeah. So a little bit more complicated than I thought. But when that ended, I thought, well, maybe I'll go into ministry um, and instead, I ran into a guy who said, um, have you, what do you feel called to do? Yeah. And I told him, well, I felt like I'm, I was called to help people get unstuck, achieve their potential, and grow closer to Jesus. And uh, so uh, he, t he said, have you ever heard of Convene? And I hadn't. And what Convene is, is basically a peer advisory board for Christian business owners and CEOs. And now I lead one in Dallas. And I also do a lot of one-to-one -one coaching. And I was one of the first people to start an online version of that. Um, so I lead an online, lead an in-person, do a lot of coaching. It's about 35 business owners I work with on a monthly basis. So a lot of what I learned came from learning from them, um, but a lot of it came from my prior background. Sure. I mean, that is a lot of impact and just a lot of reality <laughs> going on, not only in the life that led you here, but also what you are privy to in a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. So there's so many things I want to dive into. I am actually, especially on behalf of the audience, going to dive into this idea of this peer advisory, first of all. Um, 
why? I mean, people have heard about masterminds. I mean, many people have had different experiences with the coaching or at least have played around with, do I need this and that type of thing. So, you know, for you looking back over your whole career and then in addition being on the coach side, you know, how do you view this? I mean, why is it worthy or who is it right for? Well, small business owners, um, which is mainly who I work with, sometimes medium-sized business owners, but mostly small business owners, uh, they have a, a kind of repeatable set of challenges. Um, one of those challenges is that they are qu- usually quite lonely. Um, they really don't have anybody to talk to about their business. Um, they can only talk to their spouse so much about it unless the spouse works in the business. And even then, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there is an overflow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a limit to how much of that you want yeah. to talk about. Exactly. Um, and uh, and where you're getting your information from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have known each other your whole lives, so you yeah. know yes. you know the answer almost. Right. Right. Well, um, and, and they don't have a board, uh, you know, a classical board. They can't afford to do that. And they can't really talk to their employees because the employees are beholden to them. So where do they, where do they get help seeing their blind spots? Um, where do they get help with um, strategic thinking that they maybe never have done? Most small business owners never studied business. Um, they, got, they had an idea or um, or you know, a, a skill that they turned into a business, but that's a lot different from running a business at a small level that was based on a skill and taking it to the next level. So different. It's a big difference. And and also they tend to be completely overloaded because they wear all the hats usually, or most of the hats, and can't really afford to have somebody um, come on board to help with some of the hats until they grow the business. And they've got the challenge of growing the business when they don't know that much about about business. So one way of getting help is to get a consultant. And when you get a consultant, you get maybe get 20, 30 years of experience in one person, um, but with a peer advisory board where you recruit a bunch of business owners that are living similar lives and facing similar challenges, they can be of counsel to one another. Yeah, We say it's like uh, having 15 coaches for every player um, once, the, once the team is full. Um, and, and not only that, as a byproduct of it, you get this community of people that you become friends with and that some of that loneliness goes away. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing, the way, the way that Convene does it is that uh, Convene requires all the chairs like me to be certified as coaches. So I've had hundreds of hours of training on coaching and, and testing, oral and written testing to be a certified coach. I did not realize that. Yeah. And uh, the nice thing of that is that the, there's the, the team experience where they're all together in a meeting for a full day or so. It depends. Online isn't a full day. It's more streamlined. It's two two-hour meetings in the month instead of one full-day meeting. Um, but the coaching always helps with that one, those one-on-one issues that somebody's facing. Yeah. You know? um, and have somebody be able to listen to them deeply about what they're going through is um, something I think they really like. Agreed. You know, it's interesting too, you just so easy to miss the forest for the trees and sometimes even just that permission to speak openly about what's going on. And then, you know, you said deep listening, you're able to reflect back, you know, you're saying these things like, Mm -hmm. you know, here's what I'm hearing. Mm -hmm. And it's, that's such a profoundly important opportunity to potentially solve the right problems, (laughs) you know, stop making the same mistakes or, you know, finding those slippery areas. So, Mm -hmm. well, I like the idea that it's a group setting with all different business owners, CEOs in it who have different experiences that you guys discuss what once a month you sit down, have a meeting together, then you go one-on-one with them. So you get to hear, both sides, you yep. get to hear it straight from them, straight from the peers, and then get to adjust and go throughout the month. Um, you know, a lot of times you'll hear uh, business coaches don't get to see that side of mm-hmm. them, don't get to hear all that input for a full day. Yeah. Well, yeah. And there's, there's sort of two main parts of what they do together, we do together as a team. One part is learning together. 
you know, it's almost like an MBA for entrepreneurs. There's all this written content on almost any topic you can think of. And we bring some speakers in um, and they learn about things they didn't know before. And, and they help set the agenda for what we're focused on learning about. And then the second half of the meeting is, is focused on sharing their issues with one another and getting ideas from each other about how to deal with those issues. So there's a real opportunity to talk about um, how to implement what you learned and how to help somebody else. So it's a two-way flow. You get help and you yeah. give help. Right. You know, I, I say when I talk to a, a new somebody who's thinking about being in a peer advisory board, imagine that you had a dozen people around the table and, and you just brought your issue to it and, and they're there for you. They're there to be in your corner. Um, imagine what that could mean for you. You know, if you could do that once, but how about you could do it multiple times a year? Yeah. Oh, you know, I mean, when I've gotten to be in those situations in my group, the advice that I got translated into huge dollars, mm -hmm. <laughs> like of avoided problems, mm -hmm. of mistakes I almost made, yep. of undoing things, mm -hmm. you know, of not losing team members, of, you know, making hard decisions. And I mean, I would come home with so many ideas and I mean, 12, 13, 15, 17 ideas. And I hadn't even come up with one of them, you know I mean? Because, you know, I love what you said earlier about being stuck because once you start feeling like that weight of, I don't know what to do here. What do I do? What do I do? I mean, unfortunately, I feel like that alone, that question alone starts blocking off opportunities to see different ways to look at it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the other thing is when we've, when I've been privy to being able to give advice, you know, in that group setting, I learned so much too. I'm taking ideas. I'm like, that is brilliant. Well, I could do that to my business. It's not even about me. <laughs> so, I mean, it is amazing how much intelligence and just thoughtfulness and opportunity flows when there's an environment where there's high trust. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I mean, just that, that willingness to grow together. Right. I trust shared values. What you talked about where you learn from somebody else's issue, we call that kind of ricochet learning. Oh my God, that's brilliant. <laughs> totally. I think that's probably been some of my most profound stuff where I'm like, I need to do that. Yep. You know, I mean, you should see like him when I come home from convene, he's like, whoa, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we have priorities. We are not implementing all 25 of those things <laughs> that you once. thought of today. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, so how many members are in each one of these groups typically? Uh, it, ideally, there's about 15. Okay. The Small. ideal, Some, the ideal number of people in the room is around a dozen. Um, but because CEOs are busy, they've got vacations, they've got conferences, they've got key meetings. You know, if you have 15 or 16 and three or four of them can't make it, you get to 12. Is That's the ideal. Um, and, uh, and then the online team is a little bit smaller, um, but th that's, that's the way it works. It, it allows for, and Jesus may have had a good idea. He had 12 apostles, 12 people in the room. Uh, I, I don't know. You're, um, uh, your goal is 12. Yeah, goal is 12. All right. Okay, so something you said earlier, I, I know me just even hearing that, you said predictable or repeatable problems small business owners face. Yeah. Okay, you got to you gotta list those. Because I know for me, the second I hear, wait, I'm making predictable problems for myself, you know, that are highly solvable. Okay, you've got to tell me what they are. Yeah. Well, the one of the biggest ones that I haven't really met very many business owners that didn't have this problem is working too much in the business versus on the business. Mm. Um, being overloaded with the whirlwind of the day-to-day -day and mm. um, needing help to figure out how to break free to make the most of their time on the things that are more strategic and more important. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's sort of a starting point with, with a lot of people, um, with a lot of businesses. And uh, another uh, can be around... Um, uh, profitability. Mm -hmm. They may have a really profitable business, but they may be outgrowing their cash. Or mm -hmm. um, so it's really important. And most businesses under underinvest at the beginning in accounting, so they don't have a clear picture of where they are, and that can be deadly. Um, so that's another key area to to work on. Um, 
Another is some of the foundational elements that make for a healthy business, uh, like mission and values and culture and uh, some of the key things that the decisions to made about the, how we're going to be distinct from our competitors, um, how we're going to measure success, th those kind of things are important. And, and when you think about it, I, you have people coming into these groups at different points in time, so you have to help them get on ramp to where the rest yeah. of the team is. Yeah. And so we have a, a strategy for a kind of the foundational elements that the rest of the team may have already implemented to help new team members um, climb that curve. So when you get a new member, are you all going, okay, here we go? <laughs> <laughs> if, they're, if they have a new business, I should say. If they have a successful business already and they're just wanting to join uh, for other reasons, then I, I, I could get that. But uh, for a up-and-coming new business owner, I bet you guys are like, all right, here we go. Let's pull, let's pull out the new deck of cards. <laughs> Sit down to the table. Yeah, Not so much because the, the kind of um, work this involves is it needs to be a business of a certain substance in order to really sit at the table. It doesn't really work for startups because they don't really need to develop an organization. Um, what what uh, Peer Advisory Board mostly does is help people get from where they are to uh, the next level. And that means they probably have to have about 10 employees, you know, around 2 million in revenue in order for it to make sense to get started. But we try not to haze them when they get started. <laughs> if that's where you were going, that was where I was going. We try to, I try to avoid yeah. that happening, but we do laugh a lot. We have fun with, uh, with one another for sure. You, you know, you brought up, the first thing you did bring up um, was the processes and getting out of the busy work. And to add to that, basically you're describing how you can scale um, exactly. That business. That was the biggest issue for our business, um, for her to get out of the busy work. You know, she masters what she did. How can you teach us the other people to where you're not holding all the clients in your hand, relying strictly on you? When um, I, I talk to a lot of young business owners and on this real small level, and um, that's one of the first things I ask them is, how are you going to scale this? Yeah. It's great you're making good money for yourself. Exactly. But you want to run a business or do you want to, you know, run, a, run your checking account to a, your max? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I do see that a lot in the, in the smaller size businesses of how can you let go and still have the quality that you provide. Right. And that is a tricky, I mean, even the transition, I mean, I'm still, I still get that undertow back into the business from time to time and, you know, figuring out the balance of what, where are the places that I should be still in the weeds, like appropriately so because of either quality or supporting the team or problem solving, like making sure I have the right paradigm or point of view for something, like if we're making decisions versus, Oh, because I've always done it, mm -hmm. you know, or because it's profitable. And like, that's an interesting one too, for me was, um, you know, it was on paper more profitable to do some of the work, but then there was a point where it was killing our opportunity for me to keep that profitable work versus figure out how to spread it out to the team, figure out how to hire, you know, because growth eats cash. Right. And so, yeah. you know, how do you balance that? And it was like, you felt like I learned a lesson about profit and then I had to break that rule <laughs> in, order, in order to like learn another lesson. And I mean, it really was, I mean, it really was tricky, very helpful. I mean, when Kyle came in the business, but ironically my role with convene and my group were really, um, helpful to me. Mm -hmm. to like guiding that decision and like helping us have the right conversation at home, you know, because several of them had done that before. And, you know, just, just hearing them hear me, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, they were really validating. I think you're making a good decision. Like you're not just bringing your husband in. I mean, like you guys are thinking about this really thoughtfully. And I think, it, you know, for at least on my side, I mean, it really helped yeah. us make the big full leap to bringing him in, in a leadership role. And it really, it changed the game for us. I mean, it was incredibly impactful. Yeah. I'm not personally a member of convene, but I've benefited from it a whole lot just from the experience she's had in it and getting to meet some of the people that, has helped me through the course, especially in accounting side and future projections, when to know to hire somebody, do you have the cash to do so? 
it, it was really interesting looking at that side of um, business operations um, versus um, just in the daily grind of things. Yeah. And, and that opens it up to go, oh, okay, now I see the future. Now I know how it's going to add up. Now I know how it's going to work along with our processes. Um, it's really been a plus and a bonus, uh, you know. Totally. You know, the, the, the thing about it is that it can't be black and white. You can't go from being um, working in the business to working on the business exclusively. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a transition kind of process. Uh, and, uh, but even if the typical business owners can, can get, a typical business owner can get one or two hours a, a day or a significant block of time a week to spend time thinking strategically, uh, and then the rest of the time they may still be working in the business, there may still be reviews they need to do to be sure the work is getting done, but they don't even know a lot of times how to dig out to get to that level. And then once they get to that level, there's the opportunity to go to the next level and the, and the one after that and the one after that. And it all connects to growth because as you grow, you have the means to afford bringing new people in to play some of the roles. Um, and so it has to kind of, like you said, scale up together in a, in a, in a way that is repeatable and, and, fo- and has a foundation underneath it that's going to work. Uh, so... You know, I think one of the things like listening to you that's like such an encouragement is that as a small business owner, you hear all of these horrible statistics, how few make it to year three, how even less make it to year five, even less make it to seven and then 10 and how few ever cross a million dollars, how few cross $10 million. And I mean, you know, and you just get this constant barrage of all of the failed entrepreneurs, you know, like that have littered the path that you're on. But then when you hear you and when you hear other people, you know, hearing as a solvable problem, it's not you. Right. <laughs> like This is actually part right. of the evolution and part of the journey that you're on. Calm down. It's possible. Yeah. Open your eyes that, you know, I mean, you've got a unique journey. It is wildly beneficial to even just putting on the mindset and the heart set, if you will, of like what it takes to just keep going and being consistent and continuing to have a learner mindset so that you can get better and turn into a different person that then knows how to lead a different size organization and do different things than you've been taught. Because like you said, I mean, bringing a skill into a business does not make you a professional business <laughs> owner or business grower is a better way to put it. I mean, that's a whole, or let alone a leader. I mean, that's a whole different set of journeys, you know, inside of the same one. And it helps give people confidence to know other people have experienced the same kind of problems. Yeah. You know, I remember one of my very first meetings, we sat down and somehow somebody brought up a, a fraud situation that they had experienced. And we went around the table and boom, 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 boom. Everybody had experienced one or, of a, of one or oh, another wow. at some time in their business. Um, and, you know, I, I, I came from a big business background. I thought, wow, that's unusual. But now I know that that's an, a pretty important thing to be aware of when you're running a small business. Yeah. To, to put some controls in place to be sure that that doesn't happen to you. And, you know, I learned that from them because of their experience. But I know that the people, the guy who brought it up felt a lot better knowing he wasn't the only one who had experienced it. And bravo to him that he could, because it would be so easy to be just so embarrassed and ashamed that that happened. And not to mention reeling, furious, like if it puts you in danger. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, what a profound (laughs) scenario. Absolutely. It also highlights the the need to have vulnerability in this kind of a team, to trust one another at a deep level um, in order so that kind of thing can come out. And we can talk about what's real, interrogate reality instead of, you know, posture and talk, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing fine. You know, the guys who say they're doing fine really don't belong in this group. Um, uh, they, uh, they need to realize they have room to go and grow. Um, in, or, or, and, and to do that, they have to be uh, authentic with one another. Yeah, I was just getting ready to say it's easy to brag about how good things are going. Yeah. The hard thing is the, when you get humbled yeah. and you're like, oh, no, what did I do wrong? How can I solve this? And to be able to pick up the phone or sit in a sit in a meeting with other people who's gone through the same things, it's huge. It's a blessing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting, too. Um, 
I used to love listening to this one podcast called How They Built This. And great storytelling of, you know, some of the biggest brands or biggest startups that, you know, were the, you know, unicorns and all this. And you got to hear these great stories from the founders themselves about working in their garage or their basement and the hard times and the scary times, but they're distilling these really honest stories down into two hours where, you know, at minute zero, they were broke and, you know, ignorant and didn't know what was going to happen. And then by minute 120, they are world famous and they have killed it (laughs) and they have figured out so many things. And I got to a point where I realized it was hurting me to hear these stories because what I kept doing was internalizing what's wrong with me, what's wrong with Mm -hmm. me, what's wrong with me, what's wrong with me. And those are the messages that we hear all the time. And that totally blocked my ability to think about, do I have resources, people, ideas, opportunities, you know, relationships that can advance me. But instead I just kept, was like locked in my own head. I can figure this out. I can figure this out. I can figure this out. And I mean, I really feel like that portion and that thinking slowed down a lot of what was possible, you know, and it really was a game changer when I realized, oh, I don't have to figure it out. <laughs> <That> way, like, <laughs> there are solutions out there that can be provided to right. me. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> so something you said earlier was, you know, you were talking about being called to help people be unstuck. And I want to dive into that because first of all, how did you know that that was your calling? But second of all, why, you know, like what is it about the workplace that, that calls you, you know, that like has led you through a very interesting career in a lot of scenarios and then keeps you focused somehow there's a core heartbeat to that. Well, one, one key part of it was when I realized that I thought in order to go in the ministry, I needed to leave work behind and go from mm. success to significance. Um, oh, wow. And I learned a lesson in that search that, uh, that, that work itself is a ministry. Wow. Every piece of work every one of us does is a ministry. In, in Genesis 1, God, God's first blessing is for us to rule and subdue the earth. Yeah. You know, to, um, to, uh, to make it grow, to help it become what God wanted it to become. We all have a part in that. Whether we're a student, a volunteer, a parent, um, uh, an executive, uh, a shop floor worker, or whatever, we all have a role in the, in the process. And so when you look at work as ministry itself, that, that was one of the things that clicked for me when uh, he, he mentioned Convene, because God had been preparing me with this broad business background, this broad spiritual background. And so what was I going to do with it? I could leave the business background behind, but he, surely he was going to use it for something. And right. when I realized it could be used for something um, beautiful um, to help people um, the same way, you know, ministry basically means to serve the word ministry. And I think I serve people. I think in marketing, you serve people. In what you do with the accounting for the business, you serve the people and the business. If you didn't do that, she couldn't do what she could do. And she couldn't be helping, you know, uh, they see it couldn't be helping the people that she's helping. So that was a huge breakthrough for me was to, um, to see it that way. Uh, and, and then, you know, all these other things that I had learned in my career were able to come and, and benefit people. Um, one of the mentors, when I was getting started, um, that was, re- it was really helpful. Um, he said, you know, you're going to talk to people that won't want to join up your advisory board. And I said, well, I'm not used to that kind of rejection. <laughs> you know, I, I was like a muckety muck. <laughs> so I don't know what am I going to do with that? He said, well, here's the simple thing I found that really works. Just try to bless everybody you talk to. If you try to bless everybody you talk to, then, you know, it doesn't matter what the outcome is. Um, it can um, it can still be a good day um, if, if you made an attempt. And maybe blessing is uh, simply listening deeply to them or recommending a book or maybe it's um, suggesting a new restaurant um, or, or uh, you know, may, maybe it's praying for them. Um, but it's been relatively easy to not feel rejected. Yeah with that advice. Oh, I love it. You know, it dawned on me, um, for the most part, whenever you volunteer or get a group of people who volunteer and it doesn't seem like a job or work, 
you treat it different, a whole lot different. It's like, okay, I'll do it when I get to it. Hey, you know, I'm just here donating my time. I'll give my effort while I'm here. But when I'm away from it, am I thinking about it all the time? It's interesting you brought that up. Um, I'm struggling right now with some of the volunteer work I do because I went into it with a, a business mindset of, all right, I'm going to treat this like that. And not everybody does. And I'm just, it, it's frustrating. Yeah. You know, it's frustrating. I'm like, okay, this is something we all committed to. Now let's go out and finish this mission. You know, right. I, I was thinking, no, it needs done in this order, this quick, this fast, you know, and mm-hmm. it's, it's different. But if everybody were to create it like a job, and think of it that way, outcomes would change mm-hmm. for sure. Well, for some people that would look at his job as actually doing good work, but some people look at a job and think of it as, uh, you know, uh, something that doesn't matter. You know, so how can I get to the weekend the fastest way mm. I can? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, I, and I could pretty be pretty sure that when Jesus was a carpenter, that's not how he looked at his work. Um, no. no. You know, no. He, um, he was going to deliver good work, whether he had uh, funky clients or, yeah. you know, maybe a, a, an apprentice who wasn't doing their part. Um, he was, he was going to find a way to, um, to get to that outcome. In, in, in Scripture, it says work enthusiastically or work wholeheartedly. Um, it's what we're called to do. Um, and... Uh, I think we've lost that. Um, I agree. Yeah. I mean, and it, it just drives me crazy too, because that, you know, earlier when you were talking about moving from success to significance and how you realized that wasn't true, that you could find that. I just really resonate with that because when you pour yourself into your work, no matter what your job title is, no matter what your income is, there is so much significance in bringing value yes. to another person. And, you know, we all cause our own problems when we navel gaze, meaning when we're thinking, what about me? What about my problem? Mm-hmm. You know, oh, this is beneath me, 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 versus looking across the desk, across the table, across the counter, across whatever, you know, um, the machinery and looking at the other person and saying, how can I help you? We do. I mean, we, I really do believe that we were literally created for that opportunity to bring value to other people. And, you know, people worry about their calling and what's it all mean and potential. <laughs> and I oftentimes I'm like, what if the answers are right in front of you and you're just not doing the work? Exactly you know, you're true. just not diving into it. So I love what you're saying that. I mean, just so huge. You know, to circle back, um, you mentioned you don't think people are doing their jobs wholeheartedly as they should or could or as much as they do. I don't know if I agree with that. I think the ones who do it stand out a whole lot more now and are way more successful. I listened to the CEO of, uh, she's first black CEO of Fortune 500 company. I read a small article on her this past week and it stood out because she says, I don't go to all my kids' soccer games. I'm not going to. I have goals and missions. They don't need me there every time. I, I do crossword puzzles while I'm sitting in the stands. You know, <laughs> I'm paying attention when I need to, and they love me. You know, they're not missing me. They are there to play that sport, and I support that, and they know I support that, and they support me. But that is somebody who's like, okay, I'm in this to win it. Right. And it's not like she just ignored her family by all means, but she knew I got to this role from sacrifices I made That's as right. well. That's right. And um, we are losing that when you, you hear and you pick up the phone. Well, my kid, and I, I brought this order real cool up to Daisy and we yeah, talked about it. it briefly. Oh, you read it? Mm-hmm. And, and I said, um, you shouldn't feel guilty yeah, all I the time yeah, yeah. about this. I go, the ones who are at, Every single game, every single practice, they're dropping the ball somewhere. There's no way they're not. You know, we both had careers at the same time. We both had to, got to stay home with the kids for brief periods while the other one worked. And um, I can honestly say when we were both steady at it, there's no way we could have shown up at every game and done what we needed to do at our career, in our careers and succeeded at it. And what you did in your careers was significant. 
most people have struggled to see the significance in the work they're doing. Um, but God created work to be a blessing to us. That doesn't mean we don't have to look around to notice the blessing. Um, and, uh, you know, the, a business owner, you know, the classic way that the, uh, the, the movies these days characterize a business owner as this greedy um, guy, all, all that's all about. But when you really look at it, a business owner enables people to have incomes for families to thrive for communities to yeah. be served, for uh, the people who get their products or their services to be served. It, it makes a big difference. And if, if you're, whether you're a business owner or you're the guy on the, on, the, on the dock loading the trucks, you have a part to play in the kind of significance. If that guy loading the truck doesn't do his part, then the money to pay for all the salaries that pay for the schools, that pay for the food that those families eat, doesn't happen. Um, you know, so uh, I think I think that idea of thinking that we can only get significance if we go out on the mission field. I, I think the workplace is the biggest mission field in the world, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and, and there are going to be people in the workplace that never meet anybody that's going to um, that's going to talk to them or, or, or be different enough to want to talk to about what they believe. Yeah. Um, so. Um, whether you do that or not, the work you do serves someone. Um, and when you get in touch with that, it can make a real difference in, in serving and working enthusiastically. For sure. Uh, one of our sayings is prosperity for all. And it's not only our clients, it's our eternal team. Yep. Um, and we have a unique bonus structure. It's, I've never heard of it before, and I'm not going to get into it right now. But we stand so far behind that where we're like, we want everyone to succeed even our contractors you know what you're going okay we're gonna pay we're gonna make this work right. just whatever it may be it only can benefit everyone around us if we just try to do the right things be honest and like you said grow the communities i love it, it there's two sides of small towns when that's what i was thinking of um, that, that they fear when a company is going to come in and all of a sudden 15,000 jobs are created. Well, I moved to this small town for a reason. Well, you know, if you, you own that restaurant up the road, it's going to be packed every day of the week. And they don't, you know, you started that for something. And right. for some reason, you're going to benefit so much from this, whether you work there or not. Yeah. It, it, there are going to be more people in your town, but bear with us. You're going to be better off than you are now, right. tenfold. Yeah, just all about identifying opportunities wherever they may exist and not yeah. just automatically labeling them as boring old work yeah. or this is, you know, not my calling or this is a change that I cannot get behind. You're absolutely right. I mean, there's just always opportunity. And if we do look at the work world as something exciting and profound in a way to make bold connections and bold value, well, that's a very different world, you know, mm -hmm. and that's something that everybody can contribute to. I got to do a speaking engagement for a company called North Texas Bells and their group of, um, uh, you know, fast food franchisees uh, or franchises around here. And so the people that I was speaking to were the people behind the counter and the cooks and, you know, the people in the lobby. And they were amazing. Like I got to talk with them and hear some of the ideas that they had implemented in, you know, they work with a leadership team. I mean, or work for a leadership team that really, really cares about them. And it was so cool to hear, you know, these people with, you know, who have been given an opportunity to envision a career for themselves and to open their mouth and be trusted with ideas and to really be excited that they got to know their customers every single day. And it was just very, very inspiring mm -hmm. to me about how as a group and, uh, and individually, they were choosing to create value, you know, in a cliche job where people would maybe throw it away, like, oh, at least I don't have to work fast food or, right. you know, that kind of thing. I mean, and they didn't see it like that at all. And I mean, it was, it was a really, really impactful day. You know, I thought, my gosh, I mean, <laughs> like if everybody could just get a taste of this, I mean, it's really impressive. I dabbled in sales for a while um, for some pretty big companies. And um, it's great when you hit your goal and you're sitting in those internal meetings and you're discussing how you're going to grow. That's one thing. But 
what really brought me a whole lot of joy was when I grew clients mm -hmm. and their revenues and their sales just by, it was impulse buying type of mm -hmm. products. And they didn't, you know, someone has owned this store for 15, 20 years and all of a sudden they're getting more revenue off the same amount of employees, just increasing sales. And now I'm like, you know, that brought value. Right. Not only to me, because you know, I'm selling more, but to them as well. Right. And they pre people appreciate that, right. you know, for sure. I know this is true about your business just from what we've talked about before, but Patrick Lencioni says there are three keys to a good job. The people that you work for care about you. They, um, so they know you and they care about you. Um, you can tell that what you're doing is meaningful, which the leaders need to usually help them see. And they know how to keep score. You know, so when you say, I, all of our people, I've got this scorecard, it's a little crazy to me, but I help them achieve it. Um, and, I, and I work with them to help them achieve that. That's what people like. They want to go to a place where they feel, feel cared about, where they think it's meaningful work and where they know how, what, they're, what game they're playing. Um, yeah, you know, that, and th th that's the um, big topic right now discussed in this great um, uh, resonation, no resonation oh, oh, oh. about oh, yeah. culture and what yes. they feel like at work. Now they've gone through the experience of this is the security that they thought they had with these big corporations. COVID hits, boom! Oh, first ones to go. They didn't even see that coming. Now they're like, oh, I'm worried about culture now. Yeah, um, it's a little bit different yeah. when I realized that those things weren't necessarily. It's not a given. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think. I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast before, but I do think the weird thing about the great resignation is that it does and will benefit small business, especially small businesses yeah. with heart, so. you know, because you have the ability to change really quickly. You do have the ability to, from a change of heart, um, listen to your employees more deeply, help them see meaning, create scorecards, share in prosperity because you're small enough to be agile and to be good to people immediately. Like if you have an idea over the weekend, you could talk to your team about it on Monday if yeah. it's worthy, you know? And so I do think that, you know, we might see a really cool and interesting shift where top talent, however you want to define a players, I think everyone has the capacity to be an a player, but you know, that phrase, um, are going to start choosing smaller organizations because they can, and because it feels better. Yeah. So, and because their impact is bigger. So, well, I, I, well, the way I've been looking at this change of, you know, n now so much harder to hire people and, yeah. and, uh, it's, uh, harder to find them. I, I actually think, uh, it's moving from a labor force to a labor market. Mm. And when I think about that, I really think it's a marketing thing that a lot of businesses need to do. Yeah. I wonder if businesses like yours are thinking, you know, we could not only help people find customers, but we could put marketing plans together for them to find employees. Do you know it's actually a huge part of hmm, at least 60 or 70% of our clients because it just ends up being a natural thing. I mean, like we say, we grow companies. We happen to do it by using marketing services. So when you have these big conversations about scaling and about impact and what's your vision and what are you trying to achieve, eventually the whole story comes out. And frequently in our marketing workshops, they talk about attracting talent. And then we say, okay, that's a buyer persona. Now right. you might want to call it a talent persona. It doesn't matter. But if one of the keys to your success is that you need certain people with aligned values and skill sets and talents to come work for you, well, then we will market. And literally it's kind, it's almost at least for us, um, become standard operating procedure in the last three years yeah. Yeah. where we don't even treat it differently. It's literally part of the cohesive and it always ends up flowing to internal communication too. Like, Hey, you need to let your team see this. Like they need to understand that this is honoring the truth of your organization. And so very naturally some great conversations happen, but you also have to allow yourself um, to open up the idea, you know, about, you know, marketing is not for this one small thing, but also, you know, that there's meaning and communication can play a much bigger role in your organization than just selling things. Absolutely. You know, that's interesting. You brought it up. One of our biggest clients um, for the last few years, the majority of their social media are interviews of their employees. Mm -hmm. 
and not it, it not only helps as a recruiting tool, but it shows what type of person, what kind of leader leads that organization at their it's not one employee. We mm-hmm. must uh, oh 30 maybe easily 30 uh, have them on video from all different levels. The energy it brings, it, it, it shows a lot about that company. And when a, your customer pulls that up and realizes they're doing the, they're doing work the right way. Yep. It shows them that as well. I just saw a commercial during the NCAA, the, the men's basketball tournament. I was watching on TV. Coca-Cola has done the same thing. They had employees. They're, they're, hire, they're doing a big hiring oh, thing right now. Oh, yeah. yeah. They, we thought you, you were going to be in one of the commercials. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, they were formed. Uh, While they did that campaign. Yeah, before, <laughs> yeah right before I went full-time working with you, yeah. where we're like, we've got to do this. I, yeah, I was when like, they I might it. be on this. I was like, everybody be quiet. Because, um, yeah, they want it. But I wasn't. I wasn't on this one. But it was the same concept. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I thought. <laughs> yeah, and they were filming back then. That's, that's yeah, kind of, they were kind of like you invert the way you think about something. So you don't think about it as a labor force that yeah. you can just hang a shingle up and somebody's going to show up. You think of it as labor market. You have to track people to yes. it. No, another one is why do an exit interview when that's too late? Yes. You need to right? do a stay interview. <laughs> why are the people that are most important yeah. to Good your idea. business staying? I'm stealing that. I talk to my employees frequently, like just in a no agenda um, call, at least every other week. However, to have a stay interview, to call it that on a quarterly basis where we do have an agenda, that's cool. That's so cool. You have to say, what makes me stay? What would make you go? Yeah. And be honest honest Mm -hmm. about it. Just open conversation. Everything's off. A lot of people won't be, but a lot will, and you'll learn a lot from them. And what you learn from that, you can do something with to prevent losing a key person. But an exit interview, other than maybe throwing a big salary at somebody, you know, and even then, how long will they stay around? Yeah, I know. Well, do you really want them to work for you? They're gone emotionally at that point. That's right. You don't. Yeah. But there's still, you know, you still have a shot at the ones that are hanging around for some reason. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Okay, so switching directions a little bit, you have a very exciting passion project yes. that you're launching, but it's not just a passion project. I mean, it's really, <laughs> it's got some pr- big momentum behind it. Tell us a little bit about that. So actually, it's partly connected to what we've been talking about. Um, I, I've gotten a blessing to work with business owners and CEOs on how to um, how to live out their faith in their business and impact their employees and their communities and their clients. Um, But there are lots of other people that work that I feel like could be impacted if they looked at their work a different way. So um, back in uh, a few years ago, my church, one of the Sunday schools asked me to teach. Um, And I had enough lead time between the time they asked to invent, to try to create something new. And so um, I decided to create a, a program on integrating faith and work. But what I, what I know about that from having read a lot about it at the time was that there's a lot of material about the theology of work. There's a lot of team material about how to find the right job for you, you know, given your design, and even stuff about how to bring Sunday, like Bible study and evangelism and, uh, and prayer to work, but not really much about how to work differently, the work itself. How, if you want to work for the glory of God, how do you do that? What does uh, that even mean? I love this. So um, I, I started working on it. Um, and uh, one of the breakthrough moments, I'm not exactly sure how it happened, but I started to think about Romans 125, that, um, where he talks about they exchanged the truth of, li- uh, the truth of, uh, exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And so what if we inverted that? What if we exchanged the lie for the truth and we took, looked at some of the main lies that, uh, that we hear about work and we, we looked at the truth that offset that lie and developed, gave people a strategy for exchanging the lie for the truth. And what, what it wound up being was six sessions with six different lies that um, we believe about work, the corresponding truth uh, that comes from the scripture, and then a practical strategy of how to um, make that exchange. And it's called the work exchange is the name of the program. It's six six life-changing strategies for empowering your work. That's amazing. Um, So it got done and I I led it for the first class. And along the way, there's a 
A woman at uh, Biola, responsible for the Talbot Center for Faith, Work, and Economics, Helen Mitchell. Okay. Um, she's been in the faith work movement for 20 years, and I, I ran it by her. Um, and she said, I'm interested in that project. I think I want to partner with you on it. And then um, uh, later, talked to Greg, or uh, Greg Leith helped me with some ideas about what the content could be. And then later, he decided to join up with her to fund the publication of this thing. Wow. That, uh, is um, now about to land. We're going to have two versions of it, um, both for wow. free. Anybody can use and download from the website um, that will be launched. Uh, and, uh, and, and so it, one version will be a facilitator-led uh, experience, and the other will be a, a video-based experience, okay. um, the video-driven experience. The, the facilitator-led you know, could be for very big audiences, um, 12 and up. The other one for small groups and for individuals. Um, uh, right now, media is going to host it once we get the video version done. Uh, and uh, we're going to try to do some things to make it uh, uh, available to people. But we've written the facilitator guide so it's, it's mapped out pretty well. Um, so it's not the theology work. It's the practical way of working. And then the second key differentiator is there are 60 different voices from across the body of Christ um, the people like Martin Luther and Max Licato and uh, Tim Keller and, you know, 60, there's a lot of names in yeah. there um, that speak about work that have been blended into this um, experience. Beautiful. And, and then and the other the last thing is I have done, designed a lot of adult learning um, to help people learn best, like in these peer advisory boards, when they get to engage with one another and, and talk through their experiences. And, and this is all based on adult learning principles. Um, so I'm excited. It's, uh, yeah. We're hoping to be able to launch the facilitator version by the um, beginning of May. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That is amazing. So, yeah. I, I thought you were going to say you were writing a book also with her like if you i thought about writing a book but i decided i didn't want to spend the time writing a book oh, um, okay I, I i uh i i love to help people learn one, one point in my um life i went through this exercise with you know you're supposed to pick three verbs out of a list of a couple hundred verbs and i found three verbs that um really i felt describe my life lead extend and illuminate um, Ooh. And I, I think books can illuminate, but I think adult learning illuminates more. People get more ahas when they, when they yeah. go through learning about something together with other people. That's why I believe so strongly in these peer advisory boards. It's much stronger. I mean, coaching one-to-one -one is good, but you know, being in a room with other people and being able to bounce off your ideas around, around other people, that's better. And so I, I had an option to try to write a book but I decided not to do that and to partner like I, I've described, and I'm happy I did it that way. So, so to go all the way back to how you started as a young man, did you start in tech real early? How did all this navigate? I mean, you're very technical at what you do, obviously. You're a teacher. It sounds to me, I don't know what it is, but. No, that's a great question. It, um, and I have a, an answer. Actually, I, I described this on one of the videos that um, are in the, in the learning experience. I feel like God has been preparing me for what I'm doing now for a really long time. And it started out with listening. I did start as a programmer. And one of the things you have okay. to do as a programmer is listen to the users about what they want in order to create what they want. So it started that way. And then I learned how to use um, good listening skills and selling. Um, you know, and, and along with good listening skills, asking good questions. In the same way, you have to ask, well, do you want it this way for your program or you want it this way? Then, then I learned how to use it in instructional design. Um, and you got to engage people with questions. Um, you know, Jesus asked like 300 questions in scripture. Um, he told stories and he asked questions more than he did almost anything else. Um, and then I learned how to do it in, uh, in facilitation. I've done a lot of facilitation of meetings and groups, helping people develop vision and mission and values, that kind of thing. And you have to listen and you have to ask good questions and you have to help them see things from new angles. And then the most recent one is with coaching. Um, coaching is largely about listening deeply to someone and helping them see things from new angles, get new awareness. And then once they've developed new awareness, to ask them, well, how are, gonna, how are they going to take that awareness and turn it into action? Right. So... All of that led up to um, 
this idea um, and implementing a bunch of those things together in this one learning experience. And you can tell that I, I really so, like this. You know, yeah. I, I get excited about um, what it can mean for people. Imagine, imagine if there were people out there who worked the way you were describing earlier, but th they were doing it consistently. And what would happen if, if every... Um, every person wanted to get someone like that on their team that worked for the glory of God in, in a way that gave him honor um, and they knew how to do it, what's the likelihood someone might turn to them and say, there's something different about you? Yeah. Um, and then to find the true difference from that, you know, to be, to be led to the truth from, from something like that. that. That's pretty exciting to me. Uh, so I agree. Well, Being I mean, consistent is huge. Oh, yeah. And it, it may be a given, but at anything you do, um, a diet. <laughs> yeah, it's great if you could diet one day a week. <laughs> Try it six days and take one day off. That's fine. You're going to get somewhere with that weightlifting, running, yep. anything physical, of course. But they, if you apply it in business, there's no difference. If you sit there and grind it out every day, every day, every day, even if you break off early, just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. If you only dedicate two days a week to really focusing on what you want to do and you just show up the other three, Never going to work. Right. Well, the, the thing, though, I found about work is that I know a lot of people who believe they need to work differently, but they don't know how. Um, they, they're confused about that. You know, the, do, do I pray for my colleagues? You know, what, what do I do? And, and the main thing about this is to give people practical game plan for doing it that's not that hard. And that um, they can do consistently because they they know what to do. You know, you can swing badly with a golf club consistently and still play really bad golf. Um, yeah. You know, but you need you, if you get a good game plan for playing golf and then you do that consistently, you'd probably be a better golfer, like you described. Yeah. Um, so. Well, and so often too, like that process, especially when it's emotional or spiritual growth, personal growth. There's an awareness period, mm -hmm. you know, where you realize, oh, I did it wrong again, or I didn't see that opportunity. And I mean, it goes from, you know, sports to anything, but where you're like, oh, and you realize it the second after it yeah. happened. And then it comes at the time and then you get better and better, you know, and it's, it's just interesting because you have to start having the eyes to see opportunities to be different, to apply these principles. Exactly. But if you've not been given the exact mechanics of this is what it looks like in the real world and in your personal day. So I love this. I mean, I love the fact that you're taking something bold and exciting and important and making it super personal and super practical. I mean, just really bringing it to the ground level. Right. So, you know, typically the, the learning experience would be taught over six, six sessions, six weeks. And in between, the, um, the last part of it is what's the strategy for exchanging a lie for the truth each person picks a, um, a, an instant instantiation of that strategy for themselves in their, in their own work, and then they go try it out that week. And the first thing we do the next week is talk about, you know, how did it go? You know, what was it like? And so it sort of Amazing. supports the other people um, with the successes some of, the, some of them had in actually implementing it. Now, after this six weeks, um, do they kind of write down their quarterly goals, annual goals, and is there a checkup period? Well, uh, it kind of depends on the context. If it were in a church, there might be. But, you know, uh, if you think about it, people are commissioned by churches to go out into the mission field, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and yet every one of us is in a mission field. Every one of us is in full-time ministry. Um, and we shouldn't be distinguishing between the secular and the sacred or between what's ministry and what isn't ministry, we should, we should think it all the same. God says, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. That's what the scripture says. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. So um, at the end of the a program, we actually have a commissioning where we commission people to go work differently in their, in their workplace. Nice. And they uh, sign up to go and be... Um, in, oh, so you, you free yeah. them. You're so we like, free them. Right. We release yeah, okay, them to okay. the mission you field. Graduated. I got you. Oh, and it, it makes them hold a standard from there on out. Right. Oh, we have, we have a pastor from a church out in California, Faro Church, 
um, who does the commissioning in Spanish and his colleague does it in English by side by side. And, um, and that's how the, the program ends. Oh, wow. That's amazing. You know, and it's interesting because earlier you had mentioned, you know, what if people see someone who, you know, on the inside is working to the glory of God and on the outside they think, wonder what's different about that person. Because the interesting thing is when you are working for the glory of God, it requires humility and confidence, not arrogance, Mm -hmm. because your work is about something more important than yourself. So it means you have a less of a tendency to be self-centered mm-hmm. because you're called to love your neighbor as other people, which makes you an amazing team person, team collaborator and somebody focused on value and outcomes, like instead of a defensive posture, you know, a prosperous posture of how are we. So there's a unity element. I mean, it just, the layers of what it means to have a person on your team that works to the glory of God is so profound because even if you're not a believer, the world is created for those benefits to touch, serve, and love other people, even if you don't know what to call it. And so that, I think, you know, what you're painting there is so exciting because it does change the world no matter if the recipient calls themselves Christian or not. I mean, it, it, it's abundant. Yep. So, I mean, that is, wow, I can't wait to go through the program. <laughs> so, so just to give you a, um, uh, uh, an idea, the, the six lies, I think you can relate to these um, about work. The first is work is a curse. Ugh. We get stuck in thinking that it's a curse. Right. Um, well, the truth is that it's a blessing. Um, and the strategy for dealing with that is to work as for the Lord. Figure out who you're working for. If, if you think you're working for yourself or you're working for the boss, you've got it kind of wrong if you're a Christian. Right. It says in Colossians 3.23, we work as for the Lord. Um, and then the second big lie is, uh, is work is, uh, isn't ministry. And we already talked about that. Work is yeah. full-time ministry and we should work to serve. Uh, the next one is work is all on my shoulders. Those days when you feel burdened, um, you know, the truth is work is a team sport. The Holy Spirit's right there with you all along and we need to work with him. You know, we, apart from him, we can do nothing. Um, and then uh, the fourth lie is work is, uh, work doesn't matter. And, but the truth is work matters to God and we should work for God's reward. Um, not for the other rewards that are possible. If we're working for that kind of reward, it's going to change the way we work. Um, another one that uh, um, is, is for a lot of hard workers is sort of a, a lie Satan uses. He says, work is who you are. Oh, or work is there. who I am. I've been there too. That one f- was resonated with me. I had a and, big life change when God decided to, or invited me to wrestle with that one. Oh my goodness. It makes a huge difference, yeah, doesn't it? Does. And when you get past it, it so me. when you, when you realize the truth is that work sh- maybe shows whose I am and that I can work in Christ's identity instead of mine, it empowers you to do different things. And yes. the last one is a little subtle. Um, the, the lie is work is bringing people to Jesus. Like we have to use work for evangelism only either doing it or funding it. Um, and uh, that leaves out a whole bunch of other things that work involves that um, is, is ministry. And, uh, and often when we're trying to do those things, we're not actually getting paid to do Bible studies and prayer right. and, um, and, uh, and evangelism at work. So the truth is that work is being Jesus to people. If we are like Jesus to people, then we're going to get people to notice us. And when we do, then finally, um, the truth is to work at being Jesus. We need to translate that into action. Um, I had one guy who, um, we have a list of, uh, um, I don't know, maybe a hundred ideas on how you could do that in the workplace. Uh, and one guy tried it out in his, in his workplace, which um, you know, it's like most big businesses. It's not about faith. It's about work. And he said it made a huge difference with his people because it was kindness. And it was about, you know, picking up from one another and, and supporting one another and helping one another. And those kind of things are good in any workplace. Um, so, yeah. Amazing. It brings another perspective of working for the greater good. 
Yeah. When you get on the same page yes. and go after something. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Jim, this has yeah. been amazing. Where can people find you? How oh, can they connect okay, with you? Okay, just one second. I've been this has been eating me up. Go. Have you ever correlated this is kind of funny to me. <laughs> have you ever correlated that you started an ice business and you're fighting with the devil now? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <All right>. uh, <laughs> Or you're not fighting with the devil. You're, Some days yeah. ice felt like fire. Okay. Yeah, so, um, yeah. But I did actually, there was, a, there was a change in me between the first round of work, being retired, and then working the second round. I really tried to change the way I worked um, and tried to do some of the things we talked about. And I, the guy I worked with, the guy who founded the company, I worked with in the consulting business. And he come to me and came to me one time and said, there's something different about you. You know, you're not the kind of, yeah. you know, get, thing, get things done, go through walls kind of guy you used to be. Um, that, that was interesting. Anyway, to answer your question about uh, how, how to get a hold of me, yeah. uh, there's a, a website, um, uh, www.convenenow.com forward slash Jim Woodward. That's the webpage um, where you can, you can uh, contact me or uh, you can um, send an email to jim.woodward at convenenow.com. Those are probably the two best ways of doing it. Perfect. Always LinkedIn, too. LinkedIn, yeah. I'm out on LinkedIn, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks yeah, for the opportunity. Really nice. good talking to yeah, you guys. you as well. I haven't got to talk to you really before. Yeah. And that was great. It's great. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks, everybody. If you enjoyed this episode of the Corporate Caffeine Podcast, please help us help you by subscribing. I also hope you'll find us on social media. You can follow me, Dacia Coffee, and my company, The Marketing Blender, by searching us on your favorite platform or checking out the show notes for the links. We bring this to you because we envision a business world full of meaning, connection, and prosperity for us all. Until next time, onward and upward.